Welcome to The Art of Intimate Marriage with Dr. Jennifer Conzin. Sensitive yet frank advice for enjoying every benefit of one of God's most fundamental gifts. Dr. Conzin is a licensed marriage and family counselor, sex therapist, as well as an adjunct professor, award-winning researcher, author, and speaker. With today's conversation on the biblical approach to fulfilling intimacy in marriage, here's Jennifer. Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Jennifer Conzin with The Art of Intimate Marriage. And today we're going to take a different uh, focus on sexuality, and we're going to talk about drugs and sexuality, uh, drugs and addiction and sexual relationships, how those two things interrelate, how one affects the other. And so take some time. We're going to go over briefly over some scriptures, but I'm going to be giving quite a a bit of information. So take some time maybe to grab a piece of paper and a pen and write stuff down as as you're listening, or you can later go back over this broadcast listening to it off of my website, The Art of Intimate Marriage. And you'll also find additional material on addiction on the website, The Ransomed Journey, The R-A-N-S-O-M-E-D Journey, The Ransomed Journey. Going to that website, which is my other website on drugs and alcohol, I am also a chemical dependency counselor, so I work a bit with addiction. So we're going to talk about how sex and addiction overlap, how drugs and behavioral addictions affect sex and how sex affects those things and how that impacts the marital relationship. So, yeah, big time, actually. Let me just start with a few scriptures on the body and... In this case, alcohol. Out of Proverbs 20, verse 1, it says, Wine is a mocker and beer is a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. Gosh, I love Proverbs. It's so clear. All right, Proverbs 23. This is verses 19 through 21. Do not join those who drink too much wine, for drunkards become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Drowsiness clothes them in rags. Boy, try to say that 10 times. All right, then in Proverbs 23, verses 29 through 32, it says, Who has woe? I'm kind of doing some excerpts out of this one. Who has woe, sorrow, strife, and needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Those who linger over wine, it goes down smoothly, but in the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. And it's interesting when you look at these scriptures because they show a lot about the impact of substances on the body, on the person, that it causes brawling, that it causes someone to not be wise, that it causes them to be drowsy and to not accomplish things. It uh, causes bruises and bloodshot eyes. So we, our bodies are affected by the use of substances. Well, what that means is the use of substances also affect our sexuality. It impacts not just the bloodshot eyes, but it impacts the blood flow 
of the body. Alcohol and all drugs do impact the flow of chemicals and blood through the veins of the body. So therefore, it affects physiology, sexual physiology, such as the ability to become aroused, the ability to maintain erection, and the ability to reach orgasm. So we're going to talk about that. How does drugs and alcohol affect sexuality? I'm not going to hit so much today on behavioral addictions, but they also have an impact. And then what we definitely know is that sexuality, when it is not in God's plan, also affects the body. So we know out of Corinthians, Paul says, the body is not made for sexual immorality. So when we engage in things sexually that are not in God's plan, that are immoral, it impacts this body that God created. And God created the body in such a way that it was not meant for those things. So the body is not meant for uh, illicit substances. It's not meant for Uh, the overuse of alcohol or any other substance. The body is not meant for sexual immorality. So God did create our bodies, and he does have directions on how we're supposed to use our bodies. So what I'm going to talk about today is what are some of the impacts on the body and on the marital relationship and on the sexual relationship when drugs become involved, and then What are some of the reasons people use drugs? Because often um, substances are used to aid sexuality. So we're going to talk about that. Next, just so that you know, this is part one. Part two, we're going to talk about how to work through that as a couple. What kind of treatment can be helpful? So let's start with what are some of the addictions? So definitely there's behavioral addictions such as gambling and shopping. Um, there are, this, uh, the sexual addiction would be considered a behavioral addiction. Of course, it involves the body, very much so. Food addiction. And then, of course, you have the classic drugs and alcohol. Like I said, I'm not going to go into all of these, but All of these have an impact on the marital relationship. So you may be listening and your spouse doesn't have a background in drugs and alcohol, but they have a a background in other forms of addiction. This broadcast will apply to you as well in much of the material we're going to cover. Or this may be your experience. You have a background in addictions. So a lot of what we're going to discuss will cover not only your personal recovery, your partner's recovery, but it will also cover how it impacts you guys as a married couple. There are also different sexual dysfunctions, physical sexual dysfunctions that are affected by addiction. So those would be erectile dysfunction. So erectile functioning, the ability to reach orgasm, levels of our levels of desire, meaning libido, urge, Interest in sex that's affected by drugs or problems with that cause drug use. Premature and delayed ejaculation are involved um, either in causing people to use or they are a result of use. And then sexual pain is definitely a result of the use, but sometimes because of sexual pain, people will involve themselves in drug use. So... Sexual dysfunction and 
the dysfunction, the the use of substances overlap quite a bit. I have a number of couples that come into my office that are dealing with both, both addiction and sexual dysfunctions or sexual problems. So how do uh, how does somebody go about figuring out if there is a problem there? So as a therapist, I would call this assessment. But how do you also, how do you figure out if there's a problem? Well, you have to look at the background of use um, as far as in, with drugs and alcohol. What is the background of somebody's use? What types of addictions? And, and, and it's important to really think through all the different ways that addiction might come up. It might come up in a food addiction now when years ago it was marijuana or cocaine or something. Or it might still be alcohol, but years ago it was meth. So assessing, it might be gambling now. Um, there might be internet addiction now and it's not the the drugs so assessing all forms and and really looking at examining all the different ways you might have tried to change it get help with it treat it um, overcome it what are some different ways that you have attempted that and then it's important to examine what are your beliefs about addiction I'm actually not super comfortable with the word addiction. I've mentioned this before because it's a really heavy and loaded term, um, especially for those with religious beliefs. Sometimes it feels like it's a blaming of the choices, the sinful choices we make on this biologically predetermined um, disposition to engage in these kinds of things. In other words, I don't have any control. We do have control over our choices. But so when I'm working with people, I ask them what their beliefs about addiction, because sometimes that word feels wrong. Sometimes it feels wrong because people don't want to admit they actually have a problem. There can be a lot of different reasons for why the word addiction is problematic. I do, in general, let people use whatever language they choose to use. But it is important to examine what do I believe about addiction? Do I believe it's physiological? Do I believe it's a sin condition? What do the scriptures say about it? What does the medical community teach about it? So what are my beliefs about addiction? And then it's important to see if you have a background where there's been any violence or abuse in connection to sexuality or addiction, because that will heavily influence how you react around both recovery and around your sexual relationship. So really giving room for an understanding of how violence and abuse affect those things is very important to the process of, of treatment and of even understanding yourself. And then it is important to see what kind of damage has been done. So if there have been sexual addictions, if there have been drug and alcohol addictions, any kind, it impacts you as an individual, meaning either because they were addictions you pursued or because you are in a relationship with someone who pursued them. So what is the damage to, to an individual? What is the damage to the marital relationship? And then what is the damage to family relationships? It's important to really look at the impact on children or on siblings or parents. What are those, what are those challenges? So when you're looking at your own life, do a good assessment. This is what I would do when I'm working with somebody in session. It's also important to really realize, am I in a good process of recovery? So check. What's your current stage of recovery? Are you in early? Are you just recently having stopped use? Are you in middle, meaning it's been a couple of years now? That would be considered middle recovery where you've had a couple of years under your belts. And are you in maintenance? Are you in long-term recovery where you're doing really well? It's been a number of years. Have you had a re recent relapse? So 
this is about the drug and alcohol use, right? What is your current stage of recovery? Because that's going to affect how much you can work on your sexual relationship. People in early recovery, it can be really hard to work on the sexual relationship when people are just recently out of use. So it's important to know what is your current stage of recovery. And so then overlapping into the sexual relationship, what is the history of your sexual relationship? I work with couples where they've been drinking alcohol in connection to sexuality for 20 years, for 30 years. They've been using marijuana in connection to lowering inhibitions about sexuality for years. Or they have, um, when they were younger, they utilized different substances to aid in, in um you know, lowering inhibitions so that they can go and be involved in sexual activities that they might not have been involved in if they hadn't been under the influence. And so maybe that was years ago, right? And yet it it, it was tied in with sexual functioning back then. So, and that can absolutely affect sexual functioning now. So what is the history, both uh, for the individual and in their sexual functioning and for the couple in their sexual relationship? So do you have that history of the sexuality and drug interactions and how long and how much has it been in your current marriage? Um, Definitely, you want to look at your history of sexual functioning. So when did it start? How early? What are the problems in your marriage? It could be how long have you been experiencing pain? How long have you been having erectile issues? When did you first notice premature ejaculation? When did you notice that you had low desire so on and so on. Okay, so you need to know the history of your sexual physiology. And like I said, you need to know the impact that those things have had on your marital sexual relationship. The other thing that's super important to both of these things is that people get triggered and end up relapsing. And it's important to recognize triggers. If you're not in good recovery treatment, It's vital that you get in it so that you can start recognizing triggers to use. All right. Why is that important to how it affects sexuality? Because sexual issues in marriage can in and of themselves be a trigger for use. When there are problems in the sexual relationship, people will often turn to substances to deal with those problems. Also, if you have any kind of a trauma background, so this is if you're involved, if you have ever been um, someone that has been sexually abused or sexually traumatized in any way, molestation or rape, any of those, you could get triggered while engaging sexually, which then leads to a relapse with drugs and alcohol. So what are your triggers? What triggers you about your sexual trauma and what triggers you to use? It's important to explore those things. I'm exposing a lot today, and I want to encourage you, if it's bringing up a lot for you right now, seek some help, either help from your minister, help from a close friend, professional help, seek some help. This is a this is definitely what, well, gosh, I think this whole series of broadcasts is somewhat on the heavier side, um, but this definitely goes into it quite a bit today. So get whatever support you need. Before we go on in the rest of today's broadcast, which is to cover really understanding how sex and addiction overlap, I, I want to encourage you. It might bring up questions. You might have some, some more learning that you want to engage in. You can go on my website, The Art of Intimate Marriage, 
And there are a lot of resources there. The previous broadcasts are on there, actually needing to be updated right now. Um, there are There's a, a blog on there. There's a link to two different books that are now out. Uh, the Art of Intimate Marriage and Redeemed Sexuality is out on Amazon. That's a book for singles, teens, and students and parents on sexuality. So you can go and you can read more. You can listen to more. Uh, also, if this is helpful to you, we really want to let you know this is a listener-supported ministry. We would love to continue staying here in San Diego. We would also like to expand this to other days of the week and other cities. We could use your financial support. So consider going on the website, The Art of Intimate Marriage. You'll find a link there to send in your support. And also, uh, if you have questions for me directly, you can send them to me, jenniferkonzen at yahoo.com. My name, Jennifer, K-O-N-Z-E-N, at yahoo.com. Go ahead and send those in. So, all right, today, again, we're talking about sexuality and addiction. And somewhat what helps is really understanding that drugs and alcohol and the, the overlapping of them start somewhere and understanding what what's the cause what's the background often we can't figure out exact cause but looking at the background can help someone understand their process of working through it individually and as a couple so one of the things to check is what did happen first did someone first start having sexual dysfunction issues and then they started using drugs or did the use of drugs and alcohol in some way start begin causing sexual problems. So figuring out that, that's kind of what I call the chicken or the egg, can be helpful. It doesn't fix things, but it can help understand the issues. Um, but the reality is this can be further complicated by when the use is based on prescription medication. So if somebody has had to use prescription medication due to pain or other issues, then it can be particularly hard for individuals who are trying to also deal with uh, either that that use became an addiction or how it impacted their sexuality. I had somebody who was concerned about their, their use of prescription medication, and so they went and um, got further care for sexuality because the use of the medication was causing sexual problems, and then the sexual problems... Um, uh, created more pain in their back, which caused them to want to use more of the drug. So it becomes particularly complicated when somebody is, uh, their use is also involving their physical health overlapping into medical um, prescriptions. So just be aware, there can be a lot of different backgrounds that are creating some of the issues. And let me just give you some facts. So let's look first at some of the sexual dysfunctions and uh, some of the things we know from research. So erectile dysfunction. What we do know from one research study shows that about 20% of substance abusers, meaning those who engage in either drugs and alcohol, experience erectile dysfunction. Again, which one started first? This is much higher than the general population. 37% of substance abuse users experienced premature ejaculation. Uh, I don't have the numbers here on low desire, but it's super high. Um, and what happens is for some, the only time they feel like they can perform is under the influence of those drugs. Um, so 
I'm going to go into some more facts, but this is what happens with arousal in particular with drugs is that for some people, they'll utilize drugs because they last longer, their, their erection lasts longer, and they feel like they can have more orgasms. So there are women who will utilize alcohol because it lowers their inhibitions and it ups their, their ability to feel aroused. And so um, it helps their ability to reach orgasm. Men will sometimes use substances like alcohol or other substances so that they last longer, that they don't ejaculate as soon. Of course, the problem with that is that then it causes problems with having orgasm, with then reaching orgasm. So sometimes people will... um, want to maintain sexual intensity. This is when somebody has a background in mixing drugs, mixing, say, cocaine and meth with alcohol, so uppers with downers. And that can that whole ability to increase sexual intensity can be someone's background with drugs and alcohol and, and sexuality. Yes, certain types of drugs increase the rigidity of the penis, and so people will use cocaine, they'll use meth, um, they'll use heroin. Heroin specifically uh, does increase the rigidity of the penis. Well, heroin also creates a problem with reaching orgasm. So, And then, of course, the long-term impact of those drugs on sexuality is um, definitely there. And for some people, there's a greater sense of euphoria when they have, and so they've enjoyed the orgasm more. And so then when they stop doing drugs, they are no longer experiencing sex with all of this intensity and this euphoria. And that's why it can lead to then a relapse. That's about arousal. Well, also drugs are used to what you, what you call satiation, which is a calming of the body. So this is when someone is experiencing pain, either physical pain or Uh, emotional pain, or they're experiencing anxiety, anxiety in life, or just anxiety about sex. And so they use alcohol, marijuana, other drugs to calm the body in order to engage sexually. Also, sometimes when people are feeling empty and life is not going well, and they don't feel a sense of connection, they'll use alcohol and marijuana specifically. Those two will create a lower inhibition, people will talk more, they might even get angrier, they might engage more emotionally. And so they feel more connected and they feel like the sex is better. This is super important to pay attention to, the use of drugs and alcohol. People use it for a reason. And then, of course, sometimes they can't, they feel like they can't enjoy their sexual life without the use of them. And that's when you go, hmm, something might be going wrong here. So yes, uh, drugs that satiate, so this would be particularly alcohol and marijuana and others like them, they do calm anxiety, they lower inhibition, they, they lower the nervous response, and they lower guilt. And so people are more likely to engage in sexual behaviors that they don't feel comfortable with under the influence. And so married couples will use drugs and alcohol to lower their inhibitions so that they're this is particularly true of women so that they they are so that they're willing to engage in things that their partner wants them to do that they don't feel comfortable with so yeah it overlaps quite a bit and I, I, let me tell you this this is a christian radio station and people will think well surely this doesn't happen with christians let me tell you 
This is absolutely happening in Christian marriages. So we need to be honest. This is overlapping into our spirituality. We need to address it. We need to be honest with that. This is what's going on. Uh, The other big thing is that when people feel stressed and just anxious socially, they'll use drugs and alcohol. And then, of course, that will lead to a greater engagement in sexuality. You know, people use mood-altering substances and mood-altering behaviors in order to have that engagement. Um, In other words, if they've got a background in, say, seeing movies or seeing pornography or in reading uh, romance novels and different or in fantasizing just in their mind, they want to reenact those. If you have a background in doing that, people will often associate that with the use of substances. So they're, they'll use the substances to alter their mood, both, like I said, in dealing with anxiety and depression and things like that, but they'll also use it to create excitement in the sexual interaction. They'll um, use mood altering substances to actually treat the sexual dysfunction. So when men are experiencing erectile difficulties, they'll start using, um, well, they'll use por- uh, pornography and masturbation to, to see, does my, is my penis still working correctly? And so that's when it, of course, crosses into sexual addictions. So people will use both behavioral and substance addictions to deal with sexual dysfunction um, they'll use, that's actually why people will use especially alcohol. They'll use that, men and women, to reach orgasm. So they'll use it for uh, dealing with problems with orgasmic abilities. So these things overlap. In, in, in therapy, would, we would call these co-occurring disorders. That's when you have both a substance and a sexual dysfunction disorders. That, that term is used for any kind of when there's two different disorders, particularly when the addictions overlap. This is challenging when there's both sexual addiction and drug and alcohol addiction. They, these things, they overlap, they're concurrent, they happen at the same time. So for you listening, I've just kind of exposed some of the problems that could be happening because either of your background or currently. Uh, in your sexual relationship. I encourage you to listen to part two. There might even be a part three as we cover these issues. This is Dr. Jennifer Conson with The Art of Intimate Marriage. Thank you for joining us for The Art of Intimate Marriage. Now, let's be real. This is not a typical radio program, and we know it generates questions. If you have one you'd like Dr. Conson to address here on air, email her at jenniferconson at yahoo.com. Conson is spelled K-O-N-Z-E-N. Jennifer Conson at yahoo.com. We hope today's program was beneficial to you. And if you agree this unique voice should be on the air, your donations will help keep it there. To give or to get more information about the ministry, Dr. Conson's Center for Sexuality in San Diego, or to get more resources for improving intimacy in marriage, visit us on the web at theartofintimatemarriage.com. And for more on experiencing the marriage God designed, join us this same time next week for The Art of Intimate Marriage.